Then you will truly be successful. Turn the page. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. Oh. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good to those who love God. He has a word on your lips. To those who are called. Meditate on your According to be his purpose, to do purpose. it's his purpose, Ooh. not mine. And we know all things work together for the good. The good. And we know all things work together for the good. To those who love God, he has word on your to those who are called According to his purpose It's his purpose, not mine We are back in the book of Jonah Jonah the third chapter, the first verse reads this way Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Jonah, the fourth chapter. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And that ends our reading for today. The nerve that Jonah would even part his lips to be angry at God. The nerve, the same Jonah who needed forgiveness is now looking for God to give vengeance. Ain't it funny how we want grace for us and judgment for them? Ain't it funny how we can read Jonah's hypocrisy and skip the times when we might have thought or done the same thing? Now that I have read the Bible a few times. And now that I have learned to put myself in Jonah's shoes, I see Matthew 7 in a totally different light. When Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
that thing hits me differently now. And when Jesus asks, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. These words minister to me today in a different way than yesterday. No doubt Jonah was a hot mess. That is the truth. But the more uncomfortable truth that I didn't always want to acknowledge is how much of a hot mess I am too. Many days I stood in need of mercy and then looked at someone else condescendingly because they smelled like smoke. Many times I have thought to myself, oh my God, how could she or he do that? And because they were addicted to something I was not, I would whisper under my breath, yuck, how could you? Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for not seeing that you are the God of a second chance. Forgive us for not helping our brother or our sister see Jesus through the lens of grace and truth. Lord, forgive us. For the days we were just as dramatic as Jonah, we now know that you do not discriminate. We now know that you send rain to rain over the just and the unjust. We now know you sent your son, Jesus Christ, for the world, not just the church. We now know that you are faithful and just to forgive us all. We now know that all of us are swimming in the waters of love. And if grace is an ocean, we are all sinking every once in a while. God will bring someone our way or introduce us to someone who challenges our theology, stretches our understanding and forces us to put down the stones we want to cast in order to see the plank in our own eye. When I was a sophomore in college, I remember judging one of the security guards in our dorm. If you've never been to Seton Hall University, let me tell you, each dormitory feels like a military base. No one at Seton Hall, and I do mean no one, can enter the dorm without an identification card. There are student staff members posted at a barricade looking desk whose job it is to swipe and buzz you in during the day. But between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m., there are professional swipers, not snipers, swipers, <laughs> hired to monitor hall activity and ensure our safety. These security guards are not volunteers. They are paid to swipe and buzz, and on occasion, they will call the ambulance in cases of emergency or they'll file a report if someone has had a little too much to drink. But most nights, all they have to do to get paid is sit and watch. Seems like an easy job, right? Wrong. Sometimes I would meander into the halls during the wee hours of the morning. Of course, I was coming from a midnight revival. And on rare occasion, I would encounter this sweetheart of a security guard sleeping on the job. She was compensated like all of the other workers, but she was asleep half of the night. And I'm not just talking about an occasional drift or nod. I mean, she would be sleep, sleep, like give me a pillow and earplug sleep. <laughs> Ironically, she was always frightened by my presence, but never so frightened that she would stay awake for the rest of the night. A few hours later, she would be asleep again. The students started to complain and she would do better for a few days and then she would be asleep again. Reports would file in and eventually the powers that be installed cameras to monitor her. Y'all, she would figure out how to position herself right underneath the camera so that her nap was not evident on the recordings. <laughs> she was a professional snoozer. A few months later, unbeknownst to her, 
she would be out of a job. The security officer was warned several times. She was given grace for months, but eventually they had to terminate her for sleeping on the job. I wonder if this thought is a wake-up call for all of us. What Jonah couldn't see or know was that he was sent as a prophet to give a warning of love and grace. But chapters later, another prophet would come to that same town, Nineveh, and say enough is enough. The prophet Nahum, whom we will study in just a moment, was the supervisor who brought Nineveh to her knees. Nahum delivers the final termination notice. Jonah was just the HR manager trying to get the people in order. Nahum was the prophet who brought Jonah's files into the exit interview to end the contract altogether. Friends, let's learn the lesson and make the pivot before God sends Nahum to end the contract. To whom much is given, much is required. What in your life is God using to get you to wake up before it's too late? Who is God using to wake you up lovingly? Who is encouraging you to make better decisions? My prayer is that we won't have to get fired in order to get free. Day 47 of our 90 day challenge. And I started Jonah with Jonah 1. Now I wanna finish our purpose talks about Jonah in Jonah 4 and 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? When I was yet in my country, I fled before Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And I repented thee of this evil. Now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. All right, here's the topic, death to the dramatic. All right, you are a big boy. You're gonna have some really poor days. Every day won't be butterflies doing purpose. Some days it will rain. Some days it will pour. Some days you'll get a lawsuit. Some days you'll hear from IRS. But don't go dying because you're being dramatic about the very thing God did for you now that he's doing it for somebody else. When you experience a Jonah frustration, you first gotta rebuke the dramatic within you. When have you been too dramatic over something that was not that serious? Are you majoring on a minor? Are you a hypocrite? Thanking God for extending grace to you, but not wanting God to give grace to anybody else. Today is a soul search day. Do the necessary work to sort out your soul emotionally so that you're not making decisions while intoxicated by anger. Grow up. Too many have died. Too much hate. There's still hope for tomorrow. But something has to change now. Not tomorrow, but today. Something must be done. What we see cannot continue. Our ancestors paved the way. And now it's up to us. We've been given trust to make a change. What kind of world will we leave to our children if we do nothing? All the blood of those we lost will be on our hands. We must take a stand now. I'm talking to you. 
Call.